Welcome to the CDC Podcast Mini-Sode 1. I'm trying something new here with the podcast. The plan is, at the end of every month, for myself and a co-host to list off a few games that have gotten no or next to no criticism or attention that we feel deserve otherwise. This could be anything from itch.io art games to prestige-level indie games to AAA work that slipped between the cracks. With me for our inaugural attempt at this little project is senior reviewer at Polygon, Idle Thumbs co-host and lecturer at Northeastern, Daniel Riendo. Hi, thanks for having me. This is super fun. Oh, thank you for doing this <laughs> at so short notice. No, it's totally cool. I, I love podcasting. <laughs> it's always fun for me, so happy to be here. Okay, well, this is meant to be a shorter than normal episode, okay. so let's write down into it. What was the... Uh, you brought some titles with you. I did. What's the first one you'd like I to brought, mention? I brought some awesome little games. So I guess the first one that I'll talk about is the most recently released. I think it actually came out today, possibly yesterday. I, I don't know when this is going up, but it came out this week, basically. Uh, it is called Discourse by Alchemy Labs. They are the folks who made Smuggle Truck slash Snuggle Truck a few years back. That was a uh, satirical game about the American immigration system, basically. And this game is sort of a survival sim, a very story-heavy survival sim, where you play as a girl named Rita. She's a young woman named Rita. She is stuck on a desert island. She was in a plane crash or something happened. And she has to survive with a band of sort of wacky, cartoonish other survivors who have made it through. It's a very text-heavy game, uh, although it is sort of a third-person character-controlled game. It basically could have been a Twine game. You know, there's a little bit of interaction outside of just uh, making decisions about, you know, tell someone to go back to the wreckage of the plane and try to find some supplies or tell someone else to try to make an SOS signal sort of on the beach, that kind of thing. Is there like resource management part of it or is it... Just a tiny, tiny bit, really. 90% of this game, at least so far, I've played a couple hours so far, 90% of the game is just trying to make smart decisions, you know, it's almost a little bit like The Walking Dead in that way, where you're kind of in a bad situation, you're just trying to make the best of it, and you're trying to get along with the, this core group of people who all have their own kind of personalities. I'm really enjoying it so far. I think the writing is really strong. It's a little bit cartoonish, certainly, and it's a little bit heightened, I guess you could say, but I actually really like that. I think it works really well for this game, because it, it definitely makes it stand apart in a little sort of growing little subgenre of survival decision-making <laughs> games, I guess you could call them. But without the nihilism? Yeah, without the nihilism. Like, certainly terrible things happen to you, but it's a little bit cute and a little bit cheeky. And the art style is really kind of adorable. It, it kind of has this cartoonish cardboard cutout style to it that I, I think is really very charming, at least thus far. Well, on my list, this game came out last year. You know how when you go down your Steam list oh, yeah. and you say, wait, I own this? Yeah, totally. Where, when did this happen? <laughs> I don't know if I picked it up as like a Humble Bundle or just an indie sale package, but it's called Journal. Journal. Ooh, okay. Yeah, it's this, well, as far as I can tell, because I, I haven't been able to find much information about it other than I apparently own it. It's about, <laughs> the aesthetic is basically a teenage girl's journal. Okay. And it's a adventure game, pretty much side-scrolling, in that you go into different areas, but it's 2D. Okay. And as you walk through the, the locations, you'll have her narrate, and little words, like it was written by a teenager, mm-hmm. will scroll across the crop about what's happening in her day and having to deal with teenage problems, like fighting with her best friend, or, or like dealing with bullies, or her crush at school, or shoplifting, getting caught, then having to apologize and seeing the disappointment in 
in the parent friend, or something or the fr- okay cool yeah. the friend who owns the shop and it's the and as it goes on, you feel like there's just not something right because sure. it's very it's very subjective. Well, the thing is, is like every day is a different entry in the journal. And as you feel like the, only the material that makes it in the journal is displayed. And as it goes on, you start to realize, oh, she's trying to deal with something but hasn't gotten to the point where she can write it down. Oh, yeah. And it's just, I, I don't know how like reflective of, of the author's reality it is like I don't know if this happened to him or if it's just people mm-hmm. who made this game or if it's a work of fiction completely but it's just so interesting and it's and it fits that personal mold that I'm surprised like nobody even like touched upon this or even knows it exists yeah that sounds kind of shocking because it both sounds really cool and it kind of fits in with the trend in the last year or two where instead of absolutely no games ever focusing on young women that it's a tiny but encouraging little trend where there are more like games about the experiences of young women, like in both the indie space and sort of bigger games as well, like Last and of Us one, and so on and so forth. Yeah, and it's a much more subjective take because like the art style is like the doodlings on like note pa- on like note paper. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, and it reflects like an expressionist take of the inner mindset of the girl at that time. Like it'll start to become like near the end, it becomes a lot more depressing and I guess you could say apocalyptic not that the world is ending but it's the men- it's but the it feels mentality. like that when you're 16 yeah totally totally well I don't want to spoil why but it is justified okay yeah and it, it is it isn't that nor is it that horrible so I don't think I don't think trigger warnings are necessary for it sure, but sure. yeah <laughs> no I totally that, that sounds really cool I mean that's the sort of thing I've gotten very into personal games in the last year or so obviously like there haven't been a whole lot of personal games before that, in the last, you know, at least couple of years. So I really, really love games that kind of say something very personal and very, very intimate. So I think I should play Journal, basically, <laughs> is what's going on. I think I finished it in like three hours. I didn't realize it was that oh, short. Nice. Oh, okay, that's perfect, too, because short games are yeah. awesome. <laughs> you got to fit it into the schedule. That's right. That's absolutely right. Well, that sounds really cool. I'm, I'm pretty shocked to hear nobody's, not nobody, but like, you know, that was not yet. I didn't even know I owned it. <laughs> like, oh, the Steam fairies so, put this in my, my queue. <laughs> so on the one hand, I'm surprised no one's, like, talked about it. But on the other hand, there's just so much out there, you could easily see it getting lost. Yeah, that's certainly true. So what was your second game? My second game is a game called Disorder, and it actually fits along the lines of, I'm not sure if this was a... Uh, a game made out of a personal experience of the people who made it, or if it was sort of designed to be more generally about a personal experience. But this game, Disorder, it's something I've talked about very, very briefly on Idle Thumbs a few weeks ago. It is a platformer that purports to tackle mental illness, basically. So I guess trigger warning here, certainly it tackles some pretty difficult subject matter and certainly does allude to suicidal feelings. So for folks who that is triggering for, be aware. It's a really interesting game. It's a really good platformer, with the central mechanic being you are in sort of a bright world where things are more or less happy. There's text that, you know, seems to indicate things are going okay. And then there's sort of a dark world. It's sort of attacking a duality mind. And the platforming itself, the gameplay is wonderful and more difficult than you might think, (laughs) especially right at first. You know, doing well in this game means switching between the two worlds really rapidly and, you know, sort of to traverse and get through the world and through the levels. Uh, it's a 2D platformer. I should probably said that from the very beginning. It's 2D. My issue with it 
is that it kind of throws all mental illness into kind of a bucket, uh, you know, that there's a light world and a dark world and all sorts of dark world things are happening. And it's kind of like, are you trying to examine depression or schizophrenia? Because it's a sort of a, you know, schism between two worlds idea. And it feels like that wasn't quite hammered out necessarily. Missing specificity. Yeah, it's missing some specificity. But I also don't want to jog that too much if this was somebody's personal experience. I just haven't really dug deep enough to, you know, I haven't, like, spoken with the developers or anything like that to actually, it seems as if it feels like a personal story. There's a lot of personal touches about the main character and their brother, and, it, it, like, the story actually feels personal and lived in and makes sense and feels empathetic. So I don't want to sort of dog the game for getting it wrong about mental illness, quote-unquote. I, I do question whether that was the best choice to kind of throw all mental illness into a, a bucket and kind of say, light world and dark world, you know, where the mechanic is good and works for this style of game, certainly, but I'm not sure it works all that well in terms of presenting a nuanced view of mental illness, potentially. But it's uh, an interesting just, game, and I, I do encourage people to check it out if that tickles their fancy. I just looked it up, and I thought it sounded familiar, and yeah, it was reviewed by my colleague at Pop Matters recently. Oh, cool. Okay, so, yeah... It actually is an interesting art style, of anything else. It isn't like the straight pixel Yeah, it, it has an attractive and bizarre kind of look to it. And it changes its look throughout the game in interesting ways. There's a level not too far in where every action you take lights up the level, and otherwise it's completely dark. And it's, it actually is pretty innovative and interesting on the gameplay side. I do need to Ooh. beat it before I can kind of give a full analysis of, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. how it tackles yeah, the my, subject matter. But My colleague couldn't finish it because at one point it turns into a bullet hell shooter that he couldn't get past. Oh, goodness. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds maybe not entirely pleasant. <laughs> yeah. As for the art, it looks like, I guess the way I'm thinking is like Ralph Bakshi decided to do pixel art. Oh, <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my second game, and I think it, yeah, it's definitely quote unquote biggest game sure. out of our lists. Is, uh, Shadowrun Dragonfall. Oh, oh cool. Because no matter how much I like try to proselytize this game, <laughs> like no one will. Sure, they'll go. Yeah, sure, sure, Eric. Sure, that that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Recently, I guess because we got like the big doldrums at the beginning of the year, few people have tried yeah. it, and this is oh my god, you were right. It's you so were right. Good. It's so good. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it was my game of the year last year. Oh, that's awesome. I, my girlfriend has played it, and I, she loved it, and told me I need to play it because I love cyberpunk fiction like so much, and I just haven't gotten around to it. But uh, yeah, I mean, is it basically this is an expansion for Shadowrun, right? It was, okay. but as I noticed while playing it, this is like seven hours longer than the base game. Oh wow. And they eventually just released it as a standalone okay, with awesome. improved UI elements. And they gave, he says, oh, you ha you bought the DLC? Yeah, here's the free standalone. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I guess what I'm trying to say is that most games that try to tackle, like, political ideology, like the actual ideology of how to, like, run a government, mm -hmm. usually fall flat or become so simplistic that it's basically not worth the effort. Sure, yeah. But here... It's an exploration through depiction of this is what, like, an anarchist state would look Absolutely. like and have to function as. Because, yeah, to some or many, it's an ideal that you would do that there's no one pressing down on you. There's no oppression. But 
then I decided to look up anarchism because, like most Americans, I know two things. They wear masks across <laughs> their faces, and yeah. they try to set up cop cars on fire. That's basically all I know. <laughs> That's all, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I decided to look it up, but specifically, I decided, since it takes place in Berlin, the cyberpunk Berlin, Germany of the future, I decided to look up German anarchism, and either they got really lucky or they did a hell of a lot of research <laughs> right. into how people actually like the actual specifics behind the ideology like built up because anarchism started in Germany. Oh, that's awesome. Like the yeah. f- philosophical anarchism. Yeah. And it, they and it, were getting it right, which is awesome. Yeah. And it just fractured into dozens of different splinter offs to the point where you have like some anarchists that are anarcho capitalists versus anarcho communists. Sure. And it's like this broad spectrum of everyone in between because anarchism just means you don't believe in strict governments right. or just really any overall group dictating how things should be run. But all the other questions are still up for grabs. And since you don't have like an authoritarian group of which how to decide things, it can get rather chaotic and tribal. That's fascinating. But it, yeah. And I, I like how even within the cyberpunk things, yeah, you still go on raids, you still invade corporations, you still blow up things. There are elves and orcs and trolls, but they actually deal with the fallout and the different, I, I guess, like permutations that just come against each other. I think probably the easiest way to explain it is at one point you actually have to infiltrate what amounts to a fantasy version of a white supremacist group. Oh, interesting. But it was allowed to propagate because there's no authoritarian to squash them. Sure, sure. It's a breeding ground for some of the best and the worst that you can offer within a society. And that's just one of many things that happened. And I've been told by people who've actually played the game after my recommendation that I bury the lead of this. <laughs> there are a lot of great in-depth women characters that's in this. That's awesome. That's really and cool. I, uh, apparently, I always forget to mention that <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm exhorting this game. <laughs> so I have like ten reasons to need to play it now after hearing about this. <laughs> Women characters, absolutely. The cyberpunk setting, the actually doing something intelligent with politics. It's all right up my alley. Actually, depending on how you play, the women playable characters in your party can actually outnumber the men. Oh, that's rad. That's awesome. <laughs> because, because, like, there's one guy who's optional that if you fail to pick him up, then you only have really one male party member. And if you play a woman, it's three to one. Oh, nice. But yeah, it, or it could go the other way easily. Sure, but sure. Then it's, but then it's only three to two. Yeah, that's like the sound and of that. I have another so, cyberpunk game. Oh, no, you're not done. Sorry. You're, no, no, no. I was about to say, and your third game. Oh, is. oh, yeah, totally. Well, I have a cyberpunk game also. It is one of the um, more interesting and bizarre cyberpunk games that I've ever played. It is called Valhalla, and it is spelled V-A-11 H-A-L-L-A. So it is a cyberpunk bartending it simulator. It will be in the show notes if you did not catch that. Super. Excellent. It is a cyberpunk bartending simulator where it's all, you know, the the gameplay itself is just a sim. You're mixing drinks for the people and mostly dogs in this cyberpunk futuristic world that come down to this bar for relaxing. There's a lot of interesting commentary about capitalism in this game. There's a lot of really weird writing in this game as well. I, I find this game very, very interesting, and I generally like it, but there there are some things that are a little weird. Like, some of the dogs are very racist against other species of dogs. I guess speciesist is the proper <laughs> term. But, like, it's almost as if the game is trying to say something about racism 
or, you know, feeling superior to other types of people, basically. But it's using dogs, which is kind of interesting, I guess. There's also some slightly weird writing where it concerns women characters. I believe there's a woman character who is supposed to be a sex worker and or is referring to someone who's a sex worker in a, in a not nice way, which was a little bizarre. Again, I'm not sure if the game is making specific commentary about something or if it's kind of like somebody thought it would be funny to, to throw the line in there. This is the sort of game it's a little hard to tell which way that went, basically. But it is a very interesting game, and it is a very unique game. Those are things I, I certainly do value either way. But it's a, I, a 2D sort of character-based sim, basically, with a lot of story and a lot of text. I do remember you playing this on uh, Twitch yes. a while back. Yes, I did. <laughs> I did that. I played this on stream. It was an interesting experience. It's kind of a visual novel aesthetic, except not as colorful, a lot yeah, it's more Blacks red and black. And yeah, yeah, totally. It's it's warm. It's sort of like very high contrast, very stylish, very cyberpunk. <laughs> totally. I guess papers, please, except you're mixing drinks exactly. instead of Border Patrol, because I remember you trying to, oh, damn, I don't know how to make this drink. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it throws you into some difficult situations with the drinks, certainly. I think Papers, Please with drinks as in a Border Patrol is a pretty good way of explaining sort of how the, the game actually works. And I think I got fired after a couple of days because <laughs> I was terrible at making the drinks on time and the dogs were mad at me. Basically, the racist dogs were very angry with me. And if somebody is too drunk, you need to give them basically water instead and <laughs> so they don't get, I don't know, dog throw up on the the floor of the bar or something so is it always dogs or is there like a progressive story i think there's a progressive story i was just pretty terrible at it so it was mostly dogs for my <laughs> for my playthrough of it but there were humans in there as well certainly but the dogs felt very superior to the humans as well so it was some very unkind dogs <laughs> they were corgis weren't they? they were corgis and they felt superior to all other species yes <laughs> it was pretty it's pretty hilarious right it's like a very oh that's Interesting sci-fi dogs in a bar. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> I remember after a while you just, all right, we'll go with it. Yeah, basically. <laughs> basically it's like, okay, I'm serving some dogs some drinks. That's, that's where my life has taken me, and that's where I'm going to go. It looks like the prologue is for sale. Yeah, it, I know it's on itch.io. I, I call it itch.io. I don't know if it's itch.io, itch.io, whatever. I say itch.io. Yeah, I, I like itch.io. I say itch.io because I think it sounds nice. But yeah, it's it's on itch.io for relatively cheap, I believe, and then they're still working on sort of the rest of the game. But the prologue is, is pretty interesting. I don't want to give it a full free pass, because there was sort of a little bit of gross writing that I, again, couldn't quite tell if it was commentary or if it was like, mm, maybe you're throwing away a, a joke here. But an interesting game, nonetheless. Alright, my last game is a little twine story called Beneath Flows. Ooh. Uh, flows is F-L-O-E-S. Okay. And it, it takes place in Alaska with one of the tribes up there. I don't remember which. Okay, cool. And the idea was uh, one of the, uh, I guess, boogeymen of that tribe, mm -hmm. which I cannot remember. I'm, we're, I actually did an interview with the guy, and I'm trying to like quickly see if I can figure out if I ever actually said what the... Uh, the monster is called, but it's basically, it's one that tempts children to come to the water, grabs you and pulls you under to act as, to become her child. And Interesting. it's very, 
I want to say it's not plot heavy, but more sim. There is plot, but it's more symbolic heavy than I guess than straight narrative heavy. That's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, and you got a lot of great art that, to go with the uh, the text passages, and you can make. And the choices aren't like division; they're more of like like coloring the narrative as you go. Like, is the moon red or blue or white? Do you hear the dogs howl closely, or do they howl far away? And it's a very neat tone piece of of this. And I guess it's acted like it's told around the campfire. That's the, the frame oh, narrative nice. of this. So like halfway through, he says like, oh, let me tell you this joke. And it'll just, the, the picture will go away and you'll just get just a straight black joke, continue the joke. And then it goes back into a different part of the story as if, as if you were being told it by uh, someone across the campfire. Nice. And I don't think you actually, there are uh, Inuit people in the story, but I don't think you actually play as one. I think you play as a white child among them. Okay, okay. But then again, this is one of those games where I think more people than just me need to, like, attach themselves to it to figure out sure. what's in there sure. and just, like, pick it apart. It was developed by a man in co- uh, collaboration of Kevin Snow, and the artist was Patrick Bodance, along with uh, music by Priscilla White and Mike Lamance for design, but he got... I know I'm going to butcher this name. Pinugak? Okay. Pinugak as the editor, and I guess he got people to from the tribe to actually like look over his shoulder to see if he was getting things, doing things right. That's good. That's good. Yeah. It's the tone that really gets it, and I'm not sure I fully understood it, but I definitely walked away with a positive connotation of it. It was certainly creepy. It was just like a campfire story should, and it was suitably of another culture, so I learned something as well. Oh, nice. I do appreciate when people get that stuff right. <laughs> Absolutely. And I also, you know, I almost hope this is going to be maybe a tiny little trend to see more games from Native peoples, certainly. Like, I know last year we had Never Alone, and it seems like Beneath Blows. I'm taking that. a quick look. Yeah, I'm taking a quick look at this page, and this, this looks really intriguing and really beautiful. And I know... Qualipak. Yes. Qualipak. That That's the monster. Okay. Qualipak. I'll also probably mispronounce that. You know, it's I mispronounce my own name sometimes, so it's uh, it's pretty pretty bad. I actually have totally done that, <laughs> mispronounced my own name. But I remember, oh my god, I'm going to blank on her name. Uh, she spoke at One Reason to Be at uh, GDC this year, and she was a big proponent of Native people making games. And uh, it feels like, yes, please, let's make this be the next trend, because that would be amazing to see more work from no- Native American folks. That would be awesome. And this looks cool. I need to play Beneath Flows. I need to play all three of these games you're telling me about. <laughs> all right. <laughs> need to get on it. Awesome. Cool. It's, I, you know, I'm always sort of looking for more interesting games. And it's not like there's ever any shortage of games to play, but I'm always looking for, like, games with little meat on their bones, so to speak. I feel like I could do this once a week yeah. with different people and we'd never run out yeah, of things to just highlight. So uh, I, I'm really excited about this, and I want to hear other episodes as well. And I think it's pretty great that you're doing this. I think it's really awesome. Thank you, and thank you for coming on. For those listening, the games that we mentioned were from Danielle, Discourse, Disorder, and I'm just going to call it Valhalla because yeah. I'm not going to bother trying to pronounce <laughs> yeah, I think that's otherwise. probably best. <laughs> that's the name of the bar uh, in the game, so it's, yeah. And I talked about Journal, Shadowrun Dragonfall, and Beneath Flows. You can find links to all the games down in the show notes. And thank you for listening. Thank you for having me. Bye.